Oh my goodness, episode 99. We're going to make it to 100. I don't know if I ever thought we were going to make it to 100. 100 episodes. Unbelievable. Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Toxic Masculinity Crisis, available now on Amazon.com. In honor of the 99th episode, you are to go to Amazon.com and buy 99 copies of The Toxic Masculinity Crisis. It's only fair. So I sort of have been paying attention to this migrant caravan thing. I'm going through a little bit of a social media slash news slash media slash everything detox. It's just taking up too much of my day. So I sort of took a break from all of it. But the caravan crept through and I heard about it. So I sort of read up on it a little bit, not too much. Then today the news came out. 12 members of the caravan. Now, let's get this all in perspective. These are people who come from Central America, either Honduras or Guatemala, El Salvador. They are in Mexico. There are those on both sides who've accused the other side, I mean the political sides of America, who've accused the other side of financing, supporting, whatever, this caravan. Okay? Okay. Okay. Everyone's denied it. Swear it's organic. 12 members of a caravan, 12 Central Americans who are in Mexico walking to the United States of America because they're so poor and their countries are so poor that they have to come to America. They want to they want to uh, apply for asylum based upon the horrible conditions of their home country. filed a class action lawsuit against the United States of America for attempting to deny them entry into the country based upon their Fifth Amendment constitutional rights. Did you hear that correctly? People from Central America, sovereign nations of Central America, who are in the sovereign nation of Mexico are suing in court in the United States of America arguing that their constitutional right that they claim they have to enter the United States of America and apply for asylum is being violated or is planned to be violated because the United States of America is trying to stop them from getting here. Uh, what? Have we all lost our minds... This is not how countries work. Countries have borders. The laws of the countries end at the borders of the country. You are an American citizen, I assume. Perhaps not. Perhaps you're in another country. This is a podcast on the internet. Why am I assuming you're an American? I'm an American. I live in America. I am protected by the Constitution of the United States of America, particularly this Bill of Rights. The first ten amendments of the Constitution guarantee certain rights to me as an American citizen who is inside the borders of the United States of America. Because that's how countries work. If I were go to go to another country, I am no longer protected by the rights afforded to me by the Constitution of the United States of America because I wouldn't be in the United States of America. 
It's not complicated. We all understand how this works. If an American pastor goes to North Korea to talk about Jesus and goes to jail, nobody goes to court and argues he has constitutional rights. Which he has. If he were in America. The minute you leave America, you are not protected by the Constitution of America. Because you're not here. You're somewhere else. So if a woman were to go to Saudi Arabia and run around in a bikini and get arrested, her constitutional right to free expression as the Supreme Court has ruled she has here in America would not exist. She would be in a different country. And that country has its own laws. And in Saudi Arabia, I believe they cut your head off if you run around in a bikini or stone you to death or something. You don't have constitutional rights outside of America. And you're me. I'm an American citizen. Maybe you're not. Why am I assuming that you are? Let's pretend that you are. You, as an American citizen, have constitutional rights in America. Outside of America, no constitutional rights. You are subject to the laws of the land that you are in. I'll give you an example. Here in America, if you're crazy, you could deny that the Holocaust ever happened. That's legal. It's protected speech by the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Okay? If you don't believe me that there are people who exercise that right, Google, the, the Holocaust never happened. They're out there. Oh, yes. In Germany, that's illegal. If an American citizen goes to Germany and says the Holocaust never happened, they will be subject to the laws of Germany because that's where they said it. <laughs> now, a German could come to America and in America say the Holocaust never happened. Because the laws cover the place. That's how it works. Here in the United States of America, different states have different laws. For example, in Colorado, they have legalized recreational marijuana use. Other states have not. And I don't really follow it or pay attention because it's not something that interests me. But let's say Georgia doesn't have recreational marijuana use. If a person from Colorado goes to Georgia and smokes marijuana and gets arrested, they are not protected by the laws of Colorado. Because they're not in Colorado. You can't sue the United States of America for a violation of your constitutional rights when A, you're not an American, and B, you're not in America. <coughs> now, Personally, I believe that anyone who's here has constitutional rights. To a point. Like, I think if you come to America on vacation, you have the right to free speech because everyone in America has the right to free speech. Does that make sense? So even if you're not an American, but you're here, I think you should be protected by the Constitution. Let's just go back to Cuba. We actively wanted Cuban refugees... from Cuba, from the Castro regime. We wanted people to be rescued from the ravages of communism in Cuba. That was a real thing. Or it is a real thing, I don't know. And we had a policy, a wet feet, dry feet policy. Essentially, if your feet touched the ground, you could stay. 
And if we found you out in the water, you got turned around and sent back. Because as a sovereign nation, we have the authority to do that. Now, I've sort of curiously been watching this thing as it goes on, because now Trump says he's going to send 15,000 troops to the border. And I understand the constitutional role of our military and our intelligence agencies and whatnot. So, for example, the FBI operates only inside the United States, unless they have permission from someone else to do something somewhere else. But they can't just unilaterally show up in Nigeria and start an investigation. That's not how the FBI works. That's not what they do. Now, conversely, the NSA and CIA are only supposed to conduct operations outside the United States. Now, that's not how it actually works. The NSA's favorite thing in the world is spying on Americans, but they're not supposed to do it. The United States military, similarly, is not supposed to do stuff inside the country other than training exercises. Now, there are exceptions to that, like the National Guard gets called in for natural disasters and things of that nature, but it, the President of the United States has never sent the, the Navy SEALs to go fix flooding. Not to say some Navy SEALs on their off time might not volunteer to go, but it's not the, uh, the official duty of military, except for National Guard units, yada, yada. So, my curiosity with 15,000 troops going to the border is this. On one side of the border, it's Mexico. On the other side of the border, it's America. The soldiers would have to be in America because the minute the soldiers stepped into Mexico, that would be an invasion. I don't think we're planning to invade Mexico. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. So we're probably not invading Mexico. I say probably because I really don't know. Now, the problem is this. If there are 4,000 migrants in a caravan on the other side of the border, they're in Mexico. You can't actually do anything to them there because you can't go into Mexico because the minute you cross the border into Mexico, now you're invading Mexico. I don't think Mexico wants 15,000 Americans invading. I don't think that would look good. But if you let the 4,000 migrants cross the border into America where our military could then engage with them and however they see fit, I imagine just arresting them, then they would be protected by the Constitution of the United States. So I assume that the Trump administration's goal is to keep them out, not to let them in and then arrest them, because then they'd have to go through the regular process, and the way that works is they get arrested and processed and then released and told to come back for their court dates, and they don't come back. Some do come back. Most don't ever come back. That's a little game they play. That's the new thing. They don't try to sneak in the country anymore. They just don't get over the border and surrender. So, that's the whole thing when the adults and the kids get separated. So, I'm assuming that the goal is to keep them on the other side of the border, where they don't have constitutional rights. But you can't shoot them. I mean, these are unarmed civilians. And you can't enter Mexico, so I don't know exactly how you keep them over there. Unless you got really long broomsticks and just kind of poked at them. I don't know. I don't know what you do. This has never happened before. It's kind of an interesting thing. As a civil society bound by laws, it's interesting how you get yourself in kind of these conundrums. So we respect the sovereignty of Mexico, so anybody who's in Mexico is not our issue or our problem or our concern. And then we have laws that dictate our behavior here in America, so once you get here now, you get to all these different rights. 
sort of bestowed upon you. And in the midst of all this nonsense, oh, but the 12 guys filing a lawsuit, or girls, whoever, filing a lawsuit in the United States, let's give up the idea that it's this organic, wonderful thing that's not being funded. Because how the hell do 12 people who are wandering across Mexico file suit in America when they're not here and they don't have any money, supposedly? So let's just give up this whole idea where, like, they're not getting massive amounts of money from somewhere. They're not getting material support from somewhere. Somebody is financing this mess. I have no idea who it is, but somebody is. In the midst of all this, Trump said he wants to rescind birthright citizenship. Okay, so here's how birthright citizenship works. In the United States of America, the law is as follows. If you were born to an American mother, meaning your mother is a citizen of the United States of America, anywhere in the world, you are also an American citizen. So if your mom, um, it doesn't matter where she gets pregnant or where she gives birth. So your mom... Uh, was born here in America as an American citizen and moves to France as a young woman, gets married, has a baby, and you're the baby, you're an American citizen by default. Now, it gets complicated depending on where because some countries don't allow dual citizenship and yada, yada, yada. But as far as America is concerned, the fact that your mother's an American makes you an American. The other thing that would automatically make you an American is if you were born in the United States. The minute you're born in the United States of America, no matter who your mother or your father were, no, no, also no matter how long that the mother had been in America and also doesn't matter where you were conceived, the fact that you were born here means that you are an American citizen, period. There are plenty of people who take advantage of this and most of them are very wealthy. I think that there's this idea of the anchor baby thing where there's a lot of poor people coming here to have babies. That might be true in part, but a ton of wealthy people come here to have babies. And they do it for two reasons, partly for the citizenship implications and partly because we have awesome hospitals with awesome women's centers. And not every country has nice places for women to give birth or nice facilities or great, well-trained doctors with the best, newest equipment and techniques. So if you're a billionaire in another country and the hospitals are all terrible, then you're just going to fly to America to have a baby. Which makes perfect sense. But even if the kid didn't become a citizen of the United States, they would still do it. It's not like they're not going to do it. So... Trump's talking about putting an end to the birthright citizenship, which is that if you're born here, you're a citizen automatically. I tend to think, and somebody was disagreeing with me on this the, uh, yesterday, but I tend to think if you're here legally and you have a baby here, maybe that should be the line, right? So if you're here on a student visa or work visa or even a tourist visa um, and you have a baby, eh, what the heck? Because reality is the student, uh, the, the uh, tourist visa doesn't last nine months. So if you let somebody in who's eight months pregnant on a 90-day visa, guess what's going to happen? It's not, it's not a surprise. And a, and a uh, student visa or work visa, you know, people get married, have kids, want to stay, whatever the case may be. So I think if you're here illegally, perhaps it's not the best. But I don't know. So Trump wants to put an end to it. Then the argument is, does he have the constitutional authority to end something like that? I think it's just a law. There's nothing in the Constitution that says how you become a citizen of the United States of America. I believe it's a law. And it might be it's not a law. Because plenty of things that we've done in the last over the last 110 years or so have just been executive orders. 
you know, back in 1913 when Congress started giving up all their authority because they didn't want to have responsibility for anything. So I don't actually know. It would be interesting. It would create a, create a fascinating argument and probably create a slew of legal challenges. But here's how countries work. The final thought of today is this is how countries work. I think it's the final thought. You are beholden to the laws of the country you happen to be in at the time. There was a famous case in the 90s when Clinton was president where an American went to Singapore where they have all kinds of laws that we don't have here. It's illegal in Singapore to chew gum because they don't want it on the sidewalk. Apparently it's a very clean country. They also have corporal punishment, meaning physical punishment. I mean, they, they, like Saudi Arabia, they beat the crap out of you for breaking the law. And an American kid, teenager, young man, whatever, went to Singapore and spray-painted cars, which obviously is illegal. Like, the, if he chewed gum, I'd be like, oh, I'll give the guy a break. He didn't know. How are you supposed to know that? But he didn't. He spray-painted cars. He spray-painted graffiti on cars. That's illegal here. I don't think it's legal anywhere unless you own the car. And he did not own the car. So he sprayed it in a car and then he was tried and convicted and his, his sentence was to be hit with a cane, which is like a giant stick, by a professional caner. Apparently it's a skill and you can get pretty good at it. And this guy was top notch. And I forget how many lashes he was supposed to get, 80, 100, something like that. And they argued that it would kill him. Um... And Bill Clinton interceded on his behalf and got it reduced to 20 or something. At no point did anybody say that he is protected by the United States Constitution while he's in Singapore. Because that would be dumb. People from El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala arguing that they have constitutional rights while in Mexico would be the same thing as a Frenchman claiming to be protected by the United States Constitution while he's in Mexico or in Singapore. Obviously not. Obviously you are not protected by a document that doesn't have any authority whatsoever in the place that you are. That's just not how countries work. That's not how laws work. If you were to cross the border into Canada and commit a crime and come back to the United States, Canada would have to nicely ask for the United States to turn you over. They can't come here and get you. And the police in the United States can't arrest you for the crime because, guess what? You didn't do it in the United States. In their jurisdiction, where they have authority. So in the case of Canada and America, they would Canadians would say, can we please have him back? And Americans would say, sure. And they would arrest you and send you back. Now, the interesting exception to the things like that, Canada doesn't have the death penalty, so they won't extradite anyone who's going to be charged with capital murder. So in order for an American to get a suspected murderer from Canada, they have to promise not to execute him. I always found that interesting. The regular news gets more and more like The Onion every single day. Twelve Hondurans in Mexico file class action lawsuit for violation of constitutional rights is an onion headline. That's a joke. 
Nobody on the planet should take it seriously. But the left has gone so crazy with their hatred for Donald Trump. Trump's the devil. That they are willing to entertain this insanity. And they don't understand, or seemingly don't understand, the electoral consequences for being insane. Since Obama was elected and the social justice warrior, socialist, insane wing of the Democrat Party has pretty much taken over and just more and more and more so as time goes on, they've lost over a thousand legislatory, thousand seats in legislatures and state houses and in the federal government. And if I'm right, which I probably am, they're about to lose big time in November next week. Entertaining insanity is a big part of it. If you support a caravan of 4,000 people who've banded together and gotten rides on trucks and now are suing in federal court for violations of constitutional rights that they do not have, walking across the border into America and being treated like heroes, America is not going to really respond well to that. Because regular Americans don't think that's awesome. What are you saying, Dennis? Are you saying America's racist? No. By and large, in the United States of America, illegal immigrants are welcomed with open arms. The most passionate anti-illegal immigrant people I know are all in favor of legal immigration. There are so few people who advocate for closing the borders altogether, and I'm kind of one of them, that it's not even a thing that's discussed. Nobody who has any authority or power in the United, in the United States Congress has discussed passing new immigration legislation that further restricts the number of people who can legally immigrate to the United States. I think you could make a good argument logical, rational argument that with the employment situation being what it is and wages being where they're at and workforce participation being where it's at and the percentage of people receiving federal benefits for disability or for various other programs being where it's at that taking a, a pause an immigration pause might be a great idea you can also make the argument that it seems like Recently, immigrants have been assimilating less and less and identifying more and more with their home country and their home culture, although I think that's something that's gone on. First-generation immigrants have traditionally done that in America, and it might not be a bad idea to take a break for 10 years or 15 years. Let all the immigrants here as kids grow up and become more American, and then we'll revisit it. In the meantime, we can get more people working for higher wages. Especially in the lower ends of the spectrum, because most immigrants who come here take low-wage jobs. That's just a fact. But nobody's arguing for that. At the same time that nobody's really arguing for that, nobody thinks it's okay for 12 Central Americans to sue, while in Mexico, 
for violations of the constitutional rights that they do not have. So when you are out there in public talking about how Donald Trump is mean because he wants to stop the caravan, you are putting yourself in a position where the majority of America thinks you're crazy and is not going to help you in the polls. Yeah, there are passionate, vocal, outspoken people who support your social justice warrior socialist agenda. Yeah, and they're going to vote. Yeah, of course they are. They're not going to vote Republican no matter what. You don't need to cater to those people. They're not going to not show up. But by catering to those people and by trying to keep them quiet and on your side, you're alienating the entire rest of the country. 80% of Americans are fed up with the fringes on, the, on both ends. So crazy social justice warrior socialists and the alt-right. The farther left the left goes, the more likely it is that we see a third party. Because if 80% of the people in America are fed up with the fringes, and the Republicans are kind of a little right of center right, I guess, and the Democrats go full-on wacko, at some point, somebody's going to say, all right, there's a huge gap here in between these two, and we can fill that gap. And it could be the Green Party if they decided to have sane uh, domestic policies. It could be uh, some sort of central party. It could be liberal party. I don't know. Something. But it becomes more and more likely. That or violent conflict. One or the other. But the main point I want to get across today is that no matter who you are, you are not protected by the United States Constitution outside of the United States. Even if you're an American citizen, which these people aren't. So I hope, for God's sakes, the courts just laugh and say, no, you cannot sue for constitutional rights violations while you're in Mexico as a citizen of Central America. That's not a thing. Listen, I hope everyone had a great week this week. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, and we will talk to you. That sound means the show is over. See ya!